Make Life Delicious, the podcast, is more than the food we eat. It's what else in life that makes us feel, be, and act delicious. We'll have conversations about real life, its messiness, and the things we can't live without. The ups, the downs, and the things we do on the daily to maintain our health, strength, and our balance. We'll talk about the unconventional wisdom and the alternative practices used in raising families, from healing to sex, because life's juicy. We are so excited and so ready to share how we make life delicious every day and how you can too. This is a Soul Fire production. Coming this March, we've created a seven-day reset just for you. We've taken our highly popular 21-day reset program and developed a self-guided reset to help you learn the basics of detoxification. In just seven days, you'll begin to feel the difference an anti-inflammatory diet can have on your body and brain. By following our step-by-step seven-day reset, you'll discover which foods work best for you. Watch as the bloat melts away and sleep returns. Ah, yes, clarity happens! Megs and I are blown away by the response from our 21-day winter reset results our students had. We can't wait for you to get started and begin to feel the difference it can make. Head to currygirlskitchen.com or follow the link in the show notes to sign up and be the first to know when our seven-day reset is available. Today, we welcome our dear friend, Lisa Baker. Lisa is the founder of Simply Health Coaching. She is a full-time coach, nonprofit consultant, self-published author, blogger, podcaster. Lisa has this amazing sense of humor, which you're going to learn about today. She is woefully underpaid COO of a busy family of four who's actually spread across the globe. She adores her crazy life and brings her passion, knowledge, and experience to our table today shedding her amazing light and love around food, health, and our well-being. She's actually more than just a health coach. And this, again, I love. She's a sanity whisperer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes, I agree. To underappreciated, undertaken care of, undervalued, overwhelmed, overworked, overscheduled, overtired, and over it all. Who sounds what does this sound like? Like, hello, women who work in mission-driven nonprofit sector who dream of a starring role in their own lives after too many years of playing best supporting actress to everyone else's. Oh my gosh, Lisa. Simply put, Lisa helps women with major burnout, getting out from under the overwhelm and back living their purposeful lives in a way that's way more healthy and more honoring of themselves. She lives in a half-empty nest in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and is as passionate about health and happiness, education and empowerment, as she is about soul food, S-O-U-L, soul food, and social justice. Lisa, you are indeed a soul sister to Meg and me. And we are so grateful you are here on Make Life Delicious, the podcast. We all need a Lisa in our lives to help us be our guide (laughs) out of this dark, overwhelm and burnout that happens because a lot of us are overachievers, busy moms, wives, friends, workers, you name it. We're it. And we want to welcome Lisa today. So thank you for showing up. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thanks for having me. We're so grateful to have you here, Lisa. Thank you. I'm oh. so happy to be here with you guys. It was so fun to oh. do my podcast with you. And now we're doing it again. We'll link that in the show notes too. If you guys have not had a chance to look at it, we're going to link Lisa's podcast because like, as you've just heard Peg share, there's so much she has to offer with her wisdom and her niche and specialty, which as we know, how many women feel unsupported or un, just that, that need that extra support, you know, like we take care of so many other people and to have somebody that is there for us is such a gift. Well, and, and it's like, we're always seeing and hearing everybody else, but who's doing that for us and yeah, how do we get exactly. that for us? But before we dive into Lisa's specialty, I just want to really share how we met because <laughs> we actually fell in love at the farmer's market. We fell in love at the <laughs> farmer's market and it's been all about food ever since then. <laughs> food and love. Oh, <laughs> I know. Do you want to share a little bit about that day? <laughs> I would love to share about that day. I was living in Torrance and my husband had just decided that he was going to be moving the whole family to Michigan. And so I left my job at USC because I would be the only parent and I didn't want to be commuting weird hours and weird miles and have two young children down in Torrance without me. So I quit my job and I was sort of thinking, oh, I'll be a stay at home mom. And I'm I'm a miserable stay-at-home mom. I'm so bad at it. (laughs) I'm such a better human. I'm (laughs) such a better human when I have um, adult work to do. Well, in a purpose. Yeah. And I was at the farmer's market and um, saw this woman with a little red wagon and a big red floppy sun hat. And she had something like 20 pounds of honey in a jar in her wagon. And I'm like, I I just have to know, (laughs) what do you do? (laughs) So I said, hello, and it just snowballed from there. And I got involved Mm -hmm. for um, a little while with Growing Great and uh, did a little work there, did a little volunteering, fell in love with um, the way nutrition was taught to kids and really focused on whole foods cooked from scratch at home. And it was a beautiful thing because it really got me back into food. I had started out of all things as a teacher of Mandarin Chinese, but that's way in the deep, dark past (laughs) and then moved on to culinary school from there. And so I had wanted to get back into food in some way, um, ever since. And so I, I got back into food through nutrition and growing great and Peggy and met Megan through Peggy. And it's just, Everything after that's history. Wow. And and then there is that piece where you you helped me. You were my first editor for our cookbook. This long right. journey of Peg's writing her Make Life Delicious cookbook. Yes. It's still going. And it's gonna happen. Are, it's gonna happen in 2021. All of the these <laughs> things happen on the universe's timeline, not on ours. Right? So it's, it I'm will learning. Happen. I'm learning that it's, it's about the journey. Yeah, it is. And there's a reason it didn't happen, but it will happen in the future. I I love speaking of journeys because it sounds like you've had quite the journey. I mean, from when we met in California now to you and Michigan, I'm so curious how your coaching has evolved. You know, you talked about getting back into food and then now really supporting women in the nonprofit sector. How has that journey unfolded? Because I think that's also super 
helpful for people to hear, you know, you start with one focus and then you see the need as it evolves. So how did that unfold? Yeah, that's a great question. It's been a very strange, long journey. Like I said, I started out teaching Mandarin Chinese and like, who does that? Right. <laughs> but then, a lot of people now, you know, that's a lot of like, people now. The language that's like yeah. getting up there is the yes, top one. <laughs> indeed. Yeah. So maybe, maybe I can always go back if all, I'll be, if all else fails, I'll still be teaching Chinese, but uh, yeah, I think the journey was, was really one of, first of all, switching from teaching to doing culinary work because my husband and I were in the same field. And it was just like, it was obvious that we were not going to find work at the same place, much less the same university. A lot of academic couples um, do, you know, (laughs) long distance relationships, even if they're married. So I left academia to be in food. And then when we had kids, it was obvious that catering and private chefing does not mix really well with having children because your clients and your kids need you at the same time. So, yeah. you know, nights, weekends, uh, holidays. And so, <laughs> yes, exactly. And so I left that and just did a lot of uh, administrative work and mostly in the nonprofit and academic setting. And uh, when we moved to Michigan, I'm always teasing my husband that he can never stay anywhere longer than 10 years. (laughs) When we moved to Michigan, um, I started to work for a nonprofit, a really incredible nonprofit called Fair Food Network that works at the intersection of um, social justice, healthy food access, and uh, sustainable agriculture. So again, it was like pulling me even further into food and food systems. And as I was working there, I got certified as uh, an integrative nutrition health coach because what I was starting to see was I was teaching people how to cook from scratch at home on the side. But what I realized was like, yes, it's the food and there's so much more to it. Um, I always Mm -hmm. joke that, you know, if you if you hate your job and your boss is an ogre, then all the green kale smoothies are not going to help you. Like all the smoothies in the world are not going to help you if something else is out of harmony. That's the beauty of integrative nutrition. You know, it's like food is important. But if there's and as we now know with functional medicine, which is it's like interchangeable, um, you really see the impact of sleep social settings, all these other things that are really going to play into how you digest what you're actually eating. Yes. Yeah. So my tagline is even it's the food and it's more than the food. So that's how I got into, you know, I I was working in the nonprofit sector when I started health coaching and, you know, you probably know you start off and you're like, I can help anybody. And then you realize like, no, this isn't working. (laughs) And then, so you sort of narrow your niche a little bit and I'm like, okay, women, okay. Women over 40 okay, women over 40 in, in mission-driven work. And the, that really came out of uh, working with some women. My, my best and, and most successful clients have all been women in the nonprofit sector. And I think the one thing that they really share is this sort of chronic caregiving. That's where that great, wow. great list of, you know, overwhelmed, underpaid, <laughs> all of that comes from, you know, what it's like to work in the nonprofit sector. And isn't that so beautiful, You how you witnessed that, that niching down, you know, you start yeah. with this very wide range. And I think that's can be overwhelming to a lot of people that they want to start something that they really care about or what they really want to yeah. get into. And then as you get into it, you, it, your path gets shown to you. Yes, you know? exactly. It's that pull. It's that universal timeline that is not what we want. Like we're there pushing, pushing, pushing. You know? <laughs> and it just, I actually learned this from one of my clients who said, you know, it's, it's like, 
it's not a pushing energy. It's a pulling energy. And then a couple of weeks later, she was like, nope, I'm not, I'm not going to do what I said I was going to do. I'm like, what, what's going on? And she's like, well, there's pushing, there's pulling and there's yanking. <laughs> it's like, that's when somebody yeah. else comes in and they're like, I love your project. And then all of a sudden it's their agenda and not your agenda. So <laughs> I think it's really about finding, finding what it is that feels like flow to you, like where you're pulled, not where you're trying to insert yourself, push yourself into, but where, where is the universe pulling you? Oh, yes. If we can just like take a second for, to let that sink in, you know, we are of a place of making it happen. Work has to be hard, but how beautiful it, like, I feel like 2020 taught us surrender in such a deep, deep sense. And if we can really allow that to sink into every aspect of our life, especially work, you know, I love what I do. It doesn't feel like work a lot of the times. Of course, there's work, there's effort, a lot of effort that you put into it because you care about it. But when you get to that place of like truly allowing it to flow, and it is that, that, push versus pull and versus yank, you know, it really does show itself to you. And I just, I love that so much, um, especially with what you're doing, you know? Yeah, it really, it just feels so right. And it was just like, you know, something clicked into place when I finally realized like, oh, these are the people I'm supposed to be working with and supporting. And it just felt like, oh, and now all of a sudden it's easy. Like all these things that I thought about doing have actually come to pass, even though it's, you know, pandemic and <laughs> uh, it just, yeah, it, it really fell into place in 2020 in a very strange way. And I think a lot of it has to do with what you were saying with that one word surrender, because I, you know, I was starting in 2020, right about a year ago, I was about to start promoting and marketing my new program. And I just thought, oh, that feels a little tone deaf, don't really want to be trying to sell stuff to people right now. So I just took time off. And, you know, luckily, I was privileged enough that I could do that. Just creating a lot of free content and doing online workshops and really just realizing how, oh, here I am thinking I want to go virtual so that I can scale more. And the pandemic's like, okay, you're thinking about going virtual and you're not doing it. So let me help you. <laughs> wow. I, yes. It's so wow. good. It's so good. Wow. And I think um, if you can kind of share, do you coach yourself the way you would coach clients? Like, I'm just curious because I think it's really I should easy. try. <laughs> I'm a terrible client. <laughs> oh my God. I love that so much. Like, Bing, 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 bing to well, all of you know, us out Megan, there. You went through IIN. You spent like a year just coaching yourself. It's all inner work and you do it and you do it and you get out and you think, okay, now I'm going to coach other people. And then you realize like, wow, I am my own worst client. <laughs> I think that, that it's never ending. You know, I'm still in the thick of, you know, constantly personal development, self-growth, yeah. you know, there's all these different phases in life. And then again, going back to COVID, what it's done is it's made us sit down, pay yes. attention, Stop listen doing. to yourself. <laughs> yeah. And, yes. and ultimately taking care of yourself and your health. Cause now we know health is wealth. Like truly yes. that is what we all are striving for. And yeah. I think that is exactly what you're sharing and what you're doing. Yeah. It's exactly what I think about when, you know, it really just forced us to stop and look and, you know, everything else that was happening last year, same thing. I mean, if we had not been in the middle of a pandemic, then all of, all of what happened with, you know, Brianna Taylor and George Floyd, like 
it would have been just another little blip on the screen and it would have passed and, and we would have forgotten about it. And I think about the pandemic mm. as just sort of making us stop. And now like, come on, anyone who is even the least bit aware knew that there were problems with our education systems and our labor yeah. system and our healthcare system and our social justice system and you know our our carceral system and all these things and we would have just it would have just been like we would have just blown by it because we're so busy but because we had this pause button we can't deny that this is happening and the pandemic made everything that much worse that now it's like there's an opportunity here I don't know whether you listen to Rich Roll's podcast, but he had Zach oh, Bush yeah. on there. Zach Bush was on there and he was talking about it being a pandemic of possibility. And I was just mm-hmm. like, bing. bing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I and I just thought, yes, that's it. Now we've seen these. And even people who were in positions where they could ignore all these problems can't ignore them anymore. And what I feel is like the real danger is this scramble to get back to quote unquote normal because no. normal didn't work so well for a lot of people. So can we please not forget about these problems <laughs> as the well, pandemic was? No. Let's not forget about them. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's been a magnifying glass now. Yes. Oh, I love it's that like, image. It's like this magnifying where we're looking at all the things that you just said. And there is no more old ways of doing things. It's yeah. only moving forward. And we see that. So it's like, the light workers that we all are doing this work, it's our, it's our challenge, it's our duty, it's our way yeah. to actually now take each one of these things, whatever it is to you, and really go forward with it. How are we going to be that change that we want to see of the world? I think it really has a lot to do with what, what I learned writing grants for Orrin Hasterman at Fair Food Network, <laughs> which was, you know, you don't write about Orin. the problem because if you have a problem, then you're looking for a solution and you have to think about it as an opportunity because when there's an opportunity, it's the beginning of a conversation. Like a problem born. becomes solution. <laughs> yeah. Opportunity there could be 10 solutions. There could be 10 ideas that you can weave together and just make something completely new and different and beautiful out of it rather than like, here's the problem, here's the band-aid. You're a born coach because it is perspective. It, tr- <laughs> yes. it truly is. Like if you it think really about is. it, like, because like when Pegs, you were saying like these things, a lot of people say challenges. A lot of people say like hard Problem. work, problems, yeah. all these things, you know, and you got to look at it as like, it's how can you shift your perspective of an opportunity to change, to grow, to evolve. Yeah. And that as human beings, we're always striving to do that, whether we consciously know that or not. And it's becoming aware of it. And I yes. think that yeah. is exactly what you're talking about. You know, even from as far back as when you were writing grants to what you're doing now with clients. Yeah. And the funny thing is I, I like to say that if you look at my CV, you'll be just like, this woman is completely unemployable. Or you could look <laughs> at it and be like, well, this woman can do anything. You know? So when I think about we can coaching, do anything. <laughs> we can do anything. But what I'm what I think about when I look back at what I've done in this really weird zigzaggy path is so much of my work is about teaching people a different language. And it's not Chinese, but it's like the language of health. <laughs> and really thinking about Um, that mindset shift that language helps you make so that when you think about it as an opportunity and not a problem, or I have clients who come to me and they talk about their food, like every day is a battle. Everything is a struggle. They have to control things. And I'm like, "Hmm, can we shift that language a little bit? Like, let's not talk about controlling it. 
let's talk about putting it more in harmony, you know, just let's get rid of that really masculine energy of combat and aggression. And let's, let's turn over to the feminine side and go with that energy. God, I love you so much right now for saying that. <laughs> and yes, and Mama is going to do that for us in the White House. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, oh, I'm curious to hear more about, you know, I see with my clients, there always happens to be this theme, like a constant, a consistent theme through different people from very different backgrounds, from yeah. different things. Did you notice, have you noticed a, a theme that has been showing up? You know, you brought up control. And I think that is something that a lot of people struggle with and try and manage your your control. And like this last year, it's really put us in perspective of how little control we have over how much stuff. So I'm curious if you can kind of share your, what you've seen, what you've witnessed and what you kind of, what shows up for you. Yeah, what really shows up for me over and over with women who are in the, I call it mission-driven because there's so much more than just nonprofit work. But, you know, mission-driven is, if you think about it, it's everybody on the front lines right now. It's the social workers. It's the educators. It's the um, the, the frontline healthcare workers. You know, these are the people who are in chronic caregiving mode. And people in nonprofits, same thing. You spend your days taking care of other people's needs and you go home. And as a woman, what do you do there? You take care of everybody's needs, except your own. Like you were saying at the beginning, like who's there for us? Who's listening to us? So I would say the common thread is that these women really lack a sense of agency over their own health because they they will not give themselves permission to take care of themselves. Because that feels wrong and that feels selfish. And, you know, there are these great metaphors about like you cannot pour from an empty, an empty cup. You know, you put on your own oxygen mask first. These women actually do not give themselves permission to do that. And so they have completely lost control. They've lost this sense of agency over, oh, I have a choice. Whether it's I have a choice to make a better food choice or I have a choice to get more sleep or you know, it just that doesn't exist. They are so, so deep that they can't even see that. Well, and, and as you're saying that it's sinking in, it's every woman, every mother, every daughter, every, whatever it is, whether you're in this mission driven work, we are caregivers. That is what our society (laughs) has looked at to women as we're caregivers. So all this that you're talking about is the same thing because I fall into it a lot too. Yes, I've been, we're we're you nurturers. Know, that's yeah. just our inclination. And, and that's not saying it's bad. It's no. not saying we should disown that part of us. Mm-mm. It's well, it's saying that we need to turn that light on ourselves a little more often. <laughs> yeah. Stop. Yeah. Stop yeah. and take care of yourself. Right. You know, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, you just think it's like, it's the female archetype as yes. women. We yeah. are born into this eventual role as mother. And I think about it as like kids were taught to play mom and babysitter with our dolls and caregiving. And, you know, I will say a lot of um, males fit fit that role too and play that role in their families, but just for generalization's sake, you know, what we, what we're talking about here is that that's a lot of um, unlearning. And yes. just like 
taking back in for ourselves. Yes, exactly. And and I'm sure you've heard these statistics, but you know, in a in a sort of traditional heterosexual couple family, women bear 75% of the mental load. Now, my husband, when he lived in the same house as me, he he's great. He's a great dad. He could, you know, he does laundry, he cleans, he cooks. It's not saying he didn't help with that, but how many men in a couple like that can actually say they know their kids' friends' names, they know their kids' friends' parents' names, when the kids' doctor's appointment is, when they need to be made, when they need to be, where they need to be, like, that is the woman's role. And we have just taken it on, sometimes naturally, just because our minds work that way. We can multitask in a way that men cannot. And that's just science. Like, that's just brain science. And that's okay. And when you think about, you know, we, we bear 75% of the mental load in a household like that, the pandemic has made it worse. And the more full time you work, the more of that mental load you bear. How crazy is that? Right. You'd think, oh, if both people work full time, they're handling the same amount. No. Uh -uh. (laughs) So that's the part that really gets a little bit intimidating when you think about unlearning that or finding ways around that. So what are tools that you offer? What are the tools that you suggest for these women that are really, I don't want to say like silently suffering, but are are building up to a breaking point? Yeah. Yeah. And really that breaking point is now, it, it has a name and it's called burnout. And, you know, yeah. in, in the World Health Organization uh, in 2019, May of 2019, the World Health Organization Uh, issued their ICD-11, which is the International Classification of Diseases. And that's what doctors use to diagnose people. Well, for the first time ever, burnout is actually a syndrome in there with a definition and a list of symptoms. So if that wasn't foreshadowing, I mean, I don't really know. (laughs) (laughs) You just wait. (laughs) Here it comes. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It's like this, this, Taking care of ourselves is something that we've been really building up to working towards, you know, like it's something that we see these things. We hear these statistics. We know we're very smart people, but what are those tools that you suggest to really support not reaching burnout? Yeah. 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 It's turning the train around before it gets there. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And, and the, the tools I I use are really very, very simple and they are things that we all know. We just need to be reminded a little bit. So Um, for example, we have come to this place where we are very, we're very aware of self-care. And to the point where self-care has become yet another thing on our to-do list. It's like, oh, I got to do yoga and I've got to meditate and I got to do a massage and then I got to go do my workout and I got to spend time with my girlfriends. And and it just becomes this list of like, did I check off my list? And what I like to say is like, self-care is really, it's kind of like what Cosmo tells you you should be doing. Right. Or it's, it's external, right? It's all external. People tell you, this is what you should eat. This is what you should do. This is how you should work out. And so I, that's one of my, my little tools is I tell women, the minute you hear yourself saying should stop, like whose should is that? Because 99 times out of a hundred, it's not internal. So the question really becomes, what are you being called to do? Like what, Mm. what are you being called to do rather than 
what are you being told to do? Because so often we get into these spaces where we're like, oh, you know, this celebrity says that I should eat this way if I want to look like her. Well, you're not her, so it's not going to happen. And I know, Megan, you you will know this term bioindividuality, but that's what it's about. You, It's really about helping women get back in touch with what does their body want. And so often I have women say, oh, but I'm not intuitive. It's like, oh, yes, you are. <laughs> like, You know what you like and what you don't like. You know, a word that came up a lot with me and my girlfriends was sovereignty, like over ourselves and really understanding that. Um, And like, you know, you hear the word authentic, like being Mm -hmm. authentically yourself. But a lot of times it's like, it's getting back in touch with that. And it's almost as if like the self-care industry has made it another luxury. Like people are like, I can't afford to do this self-care. I can't afford that time or all those things. And the reality is, Self-care can literally look like at the end of the day, making yourself a cup of tea and watching your favorite show before you go to bed to unwind. Like it doesn't have to be expensive or this elaborate. Or use a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. And so another tool that I really use with women is, is um, if you think about self-care, I I choose to call it soul care. Like it's not self-care because that's, that's what Cosmo is telling you to do, right? Soul care is really like, what is the universe asking? What is your body asking of you? And what I like to say is, you know, if you have 30 minutes that you can carve out for yourself, put that in your calendar and honor it. Like it's an appointment with your boss. Don't worry so much about what you do during that time. You know, some days you may want to do yoga. Some days you may want to meditate. You may not have time to do both. Just do one. Do what you want to do during that time. That's to me, that's real soul care. A hundred percent. I was going to say that could even be sleeping in an extra 30 minutes. Yes. Like, <laughs> snooze the alarm, girls. Yes. <laughs> sleeping in, what's that? <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, you, you have these ideas of what it, again, I always say, stop shooting on yourself. Like yes. Don't shoot on should, yourself. Should look don't like. shit. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it yeah. is, it's like, that's the fun of it. That's, that's that bio-individuality. That is yeah. what makes you uniquely you. And nobody can tell you what you enjoy to do. And that's also really scary to have to kind of look into it being like, if you had a day to do whatever it is that you want to do, a lot of time that in and of itself is overwhelming because you're so detached from what it is that brings you joy. Yeah. Like I said, I'm my own worst client. So I find myself, you know, I have, I've made it a rule to just not work after five, not work on the weekends. And I find myself like, oh my God, what should I do? What, what should I be doing? <laughs> we feel like, guilty well, maybe taking nothing. time off. Exactly. Yes. Like we feel guilt around not doing. Yes. Right. Well, yeah. and I, I'm also yeah. hearing boundaries. You know, yes. how, do we, how do we set up the boundaries for ourselves? And actually what I was taught is you've got to schedule it in because yeah. we keep going, 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 going. And it's like, you know, we do morning practices. We do it very differently. You know, mm-hmm. what Megan does, um, you know, I'm sure you, well, do you have a morning practice that you do for yourself? I to do. Just start your yes. day? And- Yes, absolutely. It's, and it's very regimented. And only recently have I finally started sort of like playing with what I do in that morning practice, because up until now, it's it's worked for me up until now. And that's another thing, another sort of language thing that I, I have women look at is how many times a day do you say I used to? Like I used to run marathons. I used to lift this much weight. I used to sleep only six hours a night. And used to is kind of like should like, 
Because the minute I hear it, I think ah, <laughs> you're comparing yourself. You're to not comparing self. yourself to somebody else. You're comparing yourself to yourself 10, 20, 30 years ago. And that's just as unhelpful as looking at Instagram and thinking everybody else is perfect. I just right? also want to really highlight the word that you say, what I'm playing with in this morning routine. Yes. <laughs> like that is what we, I know my mom and I always say, like, we're really trying to call that in that play. Like those yeah. routines are for us when it doesn't feel good. Like you said, yeah. That's when a change needs to be implemented and not judging that, but being like, oh, I'm noticing this isn't bringing me the joy and doesn't feel right. as good as it used to. And now I need to start figuring out what does that look like now? Yes, exactly. So asking like how, another thing I always ask clients is how would this look if it were easy rather oh. than this battle, rather yes. than this struggle and this idea that we have to control stuff what would it look like if it were easy? Because only then are you going to actually do it, right? If you're a couch potato and you're planning on running a 5k, what would it look like if it were easy? It would probably mean walking around the block, right? So let's start there. Love that. I love <laughs> Sustainable, that. sustainable changes. Yeah. Yes. Baby steps. Yep. Wow. Exactly. So amazing. Well, whew. You know, I came, I came to the table today, you know, Lisa, because, because what's so wonderful about what you're doing is you're giving people the opportunity to take a step back, really take stock about your life so that, like you said, it's not just all about the food. It's about how are we taking care of ourselves? How are we able to then create the space for ourselves to do the things we want to do, choose to do, plan to do for ourselves and not make them the shoulda, woulda, couldas, have to, yes. you know? Yeah. And, and that to me is such a great gift for what you've been doing, you know, and what you've morphed into. Because let me yeah. tell you, <laughs> it's an important niche. And as we're seeing, I think more and more people are needing to hear this. We're yeah. not alone. Even us that do integrative nutrition and healthy coaching, we're all subject to fall prey to comparison, to yeah. falling into the overwhelm, to getting to that place of near burnout or burnout, yeah. you know, and what are we doing to share with all of you, you know, how we can stop it in the tracks? Yeah. Yeah. And, and really, I think the, the thread that, that keeps coming through it for most of the women I work with is that they have just become completely habituated to putting themselves last. So, you know, one of my, one of my recent clients, uh, they're what's called a mixed diet family. You know, her husband and her son eat meat and she does not. And so she approaches cooking as I'm going to make dinner for them and then I'll just eat whatever. And I said to her, what would it be like if you made what you wanted to eat and then just added a little, you know, chicken, fish or meat for them? And she was like, Whoa. oh my God. Right? What a golden idea, you know, because, because, you know, with everything else, it's kind of like we're twirling dervishes, you know, <laughs> just spinning and spinning and spinning until all of a sudden you got to pull those plates off and just yeah. like go, oh my God, what a genius idea. So simple. And, and we just, we don't slow down enough to see that is actually an, op uh, an option, right? Well, and right there is the benefit yeah. of what health coaching 
gives to women. Yeah, the pause and somebody to listen. (laughs) Yeah, and to kind of be that brain that you don't even have right now. Yeah. Well, and I love even what you're saying too. It's like, you know, what would it look like if you were to feed yourself and then supplement in? Because then what that's teaching is modeling. Yes. that you're now modeling what self-care looks like. I feel like because as children or partners to somebody that has never really modeled that, like at first it can feel very uncomfortable and it can yes. feel like this, like, like rough edge, like, Ooh, that doesn't feel good because you're not used to it. But then the more you do it, it gives everybody else permission to like, no, I'm going to go take 10 minutes for myself, whatever that looks like. I just need this for me because then what that can do is allow somebody else to say that to them being like, you know what, mom, like my husband, my wife, whatever. I need that for me. Thank you for showing me that because now I know that's possible. I, I mean, I listened to Emmanuel Acho said this whole thing, you know, about Kamala Harris coming into office about, You have to see it to believe it. And once we start seeing the people around us really begin taking care of themselves and making themselves that priority, then we can do that for ourselves. Because so long, especially as mothers and nurturers and caregivers, you are that, your other people are your priority, but you're so much better at giving when you are your own priority. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it, you know, it shows up in, I think, every level of our lives. And you guys deal so much with food specifically. Like when you think about teaching your kids to eat a, a wide array, array of foods, right? How do you teach them that? You don't just like force them to do it. You have to model it. Like if you're not eating a rainbow, what makes you think you're going to teach your kids to do that? You're not. Oh my God. That is. That was like the best thing I ever saw, especially with working with families, is that they're like, but I don't eat this. I don't eat this. And I'm like, and you're not willing to try it. And how are you expecting your kids to actually eat it if you're not willing to do it yourself? You That's know? exactly There's- that coaching attitude of like, I'm going to stand here and watch you. And I'm just going to point out like, there's some major disconnects here, right? And that's oh the thing. God. That's the thing, whether we're talking about food or other forms of self-care, like we are so in it that we do not see those little ironies and disconnects. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh my goodness. Such gems. I hope that you all are like taking in. I feel like such a sponge today. Just being in Lisa's (laughs) presence has calmed me the way the shit down. Like, you know what? It's like I was up here, you know, you're getting ready, you're trying to get everything done, you were excited to be here. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, we're just sitting here having a fun conversation with our friend Lisa. What would it look like if it were easy, right? You know, I love that. Oh, I love it. It's a great question. It's one of those really obnoxious coaching questions that people hate. It's like when a client says, oh, I don't know. When you ask them something, they're like, "Mm." if you say that, then I have to be obnoxious and say, well, if you did know the answer, what would it be? Right. (laughs) Because you do. It's it's learning to, you know, but yes, we've gotten so far away from that. And, you know, I'm just so grateful for everything that you are doing for what you, all the help that you've given us and this help that you're now offering to so many other women. It's something that 
coaching, it's like one of those things, you know, it's scary because it kind of like forces you to like look at yourself and like do that for yourself. But it then it does become become a, a form of self-care because really what it is, is it's like, if you don't have those tools or you're not comfortable doing that for yourself yet, you have somebody that is holding you accountable and yeah. showing you that this is good. This is yeah, good so for good. you and for everybody else. Yeah. And it, it really is about becoming our own best cheerleader, you know, but you can't do that until you see what you need. And we don't often see what it is we need if we don't have somebody say, okay, stop, stop the craziness, stop the running around. Let's just talk, right? What's going on? (laughs) And then you really can develop this ability to stand outside of yourself. And I think that's, that's the main thing that coaching helps with is you know, my job as a coach is not to work with you for the rest of your life, right? Thank you. Having to take your money for the rest of your life, but that's not (laughs) what it's about. Right. It's kind of like, I I just interviewed a really wonderful woman on my podcast who's the, the CEO of a nonprofit. And she said, you know, the long-term vision, the long-term goal is that all nonprofits shutter their, their businesses, right? Mm. If, if nonprofits achieve what they are supposed to achieve, they shouldn't exist anymore. Mm. Right? Whether you're talking about literacy or after-school programs or art for kids who don't normally have art classes or you know, food justice, whatever you're talking about that a nonprofit does, if they actually achieve what they're meant to do, they should close their doors, right? They've wow. done it. So that's the way I think about a coach too, which is I'm here to help you figure out where are the disconnects, where are your blind spots. And then once you can, once you can see them, my work is done. Like you can check back in if you need to get on a maintenance plan, but I don't need to be there day after day after day telling you like, hmm, let's think about that. Right? That's so incredible. Uh Oh, what a great God. way to like end that, that, that perspective of like <laughs> truly hopefully we're all putting ourselves out of business. So, because then that means people are actually doing what we, what we are hoping to help guide them to. Yes. And it's, it's very funny because, you know, I, I wrote this cookbook and my husband was teasing me because he's like, you wrote a cookbook so that you, so that people don't use recipes. That doesn't make sense. He goes like, that's a marketing problem. I know when you but that's think this. about it, it's just like the same thing with coaching. Like if I do my job, you're done and you move on and I'm not going to see you anymore ever again. Cause now you're really, you know how to be healthy. <laughs> right. And, yeah. and we know that there's so many people in need that we're not going to be out of business yet, but yeah. our goal, that's our end goal to yeah. really help people figure this out, you know, and yep. What a beautiful business you have created helping people. And women out there listening, simplyhealthcoaching.com. <laughs> you got to find our Lisa Baker here. <laughs> you got to check out her podcast. Um, it's, all, it's all Simply Health Coaching. She's uh, on Facebook. Are you on Instagram? I'm on LinkedIn. I'm not on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I have a Facebook group. And yeah, everything. My website is just Lisa Central. You can find me there. 
And it is the most well thought out, easy to navigate, beautiful. I drool over your website because that's who Lisa is. Oh my gosh. It's a total do it yourself job. I am so touched. I know, but we know how you are. And, and I know that you're also doing specific programs to help women. It's um, coming up March 1st. We've yes. got a program, Eat Your Way to Health. And I know um, you will have already done this, but I'm sure you're going to do more of these in February. You yep. have a five-day challenge called Bye Bye Burnout, which, <laughs> you know, we're going to air after that started, but you know that's what, you okay. guys- It'll come back. It'll come back. And that's all on my website. There are like direct links to the program. Big shout out for the program is that um, one of my- huge dreams has been to make health coaching accessible and affordable for women in mission-driven work. And I'm able to offer scholarships for this program. Oh. So I have one more, one more round that I can all offer scholarships for, and I'm going to keep fundraising for the next round, but uh, the one in March, starting in March, there are scholarships available. So apply and apply for a scholarship at the same time. And we will link all of that information in this description box. You can find Lisa there. You can find access to the scholarships, her website, her podcast. Lisa, thank you so much for your time, for talking with us. We are so insanely grateful for you and everything like truly you're such a joy and I love learning from you always it's so it's always. so fun well mm. you know it's always mutual I always feel like I come away from you guys with so much positive energy and love and light and just like oh yes <laughs> why don't we talk more often <laughs> exactly we will Okay. Definitely. <laughs> Thank you again. And if you guys enjoyed this, don't forget to subscribe, share this with a friend. If you know somebody that is uh -huh. experiencing burnout or in mission driven work, our mothers, our friends, share this episode with them. And you can follow us along to keep up to date with Pegs and I at Curry Girls Kitchen on Instagram, Facebook. We're always sharing yummy pins and at our website, currygirlskitchen.com. So thank you all. We'll see you in the next one. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. The Uncensored Empath is hosted by Sarah Small, your no BS spiritual guide. Her 15-year journey with chronic illness, experience with loss and grief, and insatiable desire to integrate the darkness into the light inspired her to create her thriving wellness business. She supports empaths and highly sensitive people to create a body, business, and life they love through a blend of energy, neuroscience, spirituality, and intuition. Check out Sarah on her podcast, The Uncensored Empath.